0: just thank you we lift up all these things to you and they seem so disconnected for us lord the family promise sri lanka all this stuff it seems so disconnected but the reality is all of these things are the result of the fact that we live in a broken world we live in a broken world where where um lord we look around and we say god how can this be how can it be that there are families that are homeless how can it be that there are people who want to hurt other people How could it be that there is such hatred in this world? And Lord, we look to your word, and your word makes it very clear as to why these things are. Um, That sin has entered our world, sin has entered the system, and has messed all of this up. Uh, And your word also has the solution to it. Jesus, that you came to bring freedom from sin, to break the back of sin, Lord, to destroy sin and hatred. And we believe and look forward to the day when we can stand before you and it says that you're going to wipe every tear away. You're going to make all the wrong things right. You're going to bring justice and truth to all the areas that we have deception and, and, and uh, pain and suffering, Lord. And we look forward to that day. We say, Lord, bring it forward. Hasten it, God, and let us be agents that bring forth even a, uh, maybe it's just a mirror of that day, but bring forth an idea of that day on this earth, Lord. Let us be ministers of reconciliation, loving those around us just like you love us, Lord. So be with us, God, as we look to your word. Give us your insight and wisdom how to live our lives. Amen. Amen. I hope that you are reading your Bibles. I really hope you are. Reading your Bibles, one of the best things you can do is uh, 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 to further your own growth. And I forgot to say also, I am my own special guest today. I'm going to call you guys out and embarrass you. This is my cousin Joanna and her uh, newlywed husband Trevor, and they're here with us today. We're so happy that they are, yeah. Uh, Joe and I, um, we kind of like, we grew up together because we have a lot of cousins, but a lot of our cousins were born a long time before we were born. Our parents were the youngest of their family, so like her sisters and my brothers and my sister, we sort of, we're like the second cousins. There's like the first cousins, they grew up real quick, they got married and started having kids, and like we're the second cousins that are just now starting to kind of get married and, and have kids and stuff. So um, it's really special to have you. And actually, we're going to have Joe's sister here uh, in just a few weeks. Uh, Erica, uh, her younger sister, is going to be here preaching. Um, and the first weekend of June, so really excited about that. Maybe we can get you guys to come out for that too. Maybe you guys want to come out, and see your baby sister preach. Uh, Erica is a associate pastor up in up in the Seattle area, so we're excited. She's a different denomination, but we forgive her, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, we still love her. Uh, I've told her, I said, man, you know, anytime you want to jump to Foursquare, jump the Foursquare ship. You let me know. And we'll uh, but today I want to preach to you, uh, today we're looking at 1 Corinthians, where we looked at, last week we looked at the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians, and this week we're going to be looking at spiritual gifts. So would you open up to 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to cover verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> and of course today is Mother's Day, uh, I'm not preaching a, a traditional Mother's Day message and I pray for your forgiveness, I asked my own mother for forgiveness for that, she said it was Okay. Uh, But we will be handing out some flowers at the end of service uh, to all of the women in our audience because you may not be a biological mother, but uh, you are probably at least a spiritual mother, uh, which is an important role also to play. So last week we talked about the importance of communion, of being together as a family, uh, as bearing one another's burdens and loving one another uh, through difficult times. And this week we're going to be looking at spiritual gifts. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the passage all the way through. I'm going to read uh, chapter 12, 1 through 11, all the way through, and then we're going to kind of walk through a few of the verses a little bit slower, okay? All right, so let's, uh, let's dive into it. I'm going to go ahead and read it. So it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be Uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, that sort of just means you know that before you were Christians, not like pagans like out burning things and and whatever, just means you know that before you were Christians, when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray by idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one just as the Spirit chooses. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for your word. All right, so let's look at this together. Um first one now concerning spiritual gifts brothers and sisters I do not want you to be uninformed I think that the first thing we need to do when we are approaching this passage when we're approaching um uh this section that Paul is trying to get us to understand is that uh, spiritual giftedness has a place within the church He says I don't want you to be uninformed I want you to know about this spiritual giftedness has a place in the church There's a lot of churches uh, nowadays, and there have been throughout history, that have shied away from spiritual gifts out of an abundance of caution. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that caution might be there for. But a lot of churches, even nowadays, some even in our blessed town, shy away from the spiritual gifts out of uh, an abundance of caution. What are you going to do, for example, if a prophet stands up? and gives a word that you know is unbiblical. What are you going to do when somebody starts speaking in tongues, but they're faking it for attention? What are you going to do when you pray for somebody for healing over and over and over again, the healing never comes? A lot of churches don't want to deal with these eventualities. The reality is, these things do occur. In fact, I have experienced all of three of these things. Um, I'm not done all these things. I've, ex- I've experienced these things in, the wor- in a worship setting. And uh, in the second century, in the late second century, you guys know I, I kind of like history, so you guys kind of get a little history lesson as well. If people want to know, what happened to the spiritual gifts? What happened to the spiritual gifts? Well, I'll tell you. <coughs> in the late second century, uh, there was a man who uh, uh, described himself as a prophet, and he began to really abuse spiritual gifts. Uh, use them, manipulate them, did some things that, that the church was very, very upset about. The church leaders were very upset about this. And so what basically resulted was after this uh, guy and his followers were sort of finally told by the church, you can't do that here, you're going to have to leave, um, and whatnot, part of what they realized was a part of the disciplining process was they wanted the spiritual gifts to be exercised in a bit more of a controlled manner. Right? They were concerned that other people would come up and abuse the spiritual gifts. So what they started to do was say only uh, presbyters and priests, only the leadership of the church basically are allowed to exercise the spiritual gifts on any, in any given worship setting. It was a way to sort of uh, <clears throat> minimize what they saw as the danger of these spiritual gifts being mishandled. Okay. And what happens though unfortunately is any time that you restrict uh, the spirit of God moving like that, you're, you're basically just heading down a road to where those gifts stop being present. Because not all clergy are uh, anointed by God to exercise in all spiritual gifts. So if you aren't anointed by God to exercise in healing, but you're the only one who could pray for healing, guess what? No one's going to pray for healing. That's just what happens. So over the course of a couple centuries, spiritual giftedness in the church really kind of just... Went by the wayside. And it was always sort of there throughout history. By the way, that's a, that's a, a misconception that like it stopped and then it started again. That's not true. Uh, there you, if you look through history, you can find uh, people who experience different spiritual gifts at different times. There's always a strand uh, kind of going through history. Because the Spirit of God never left the church. That's not what the Spirit of God does. Uh, the Spirit of God doesn't leave the church. We are his bride. Uh, so we belong to him. He doesn't belong to us, and and so we don't. You know, we may run away from him, but he never lets go of us. So, uh, the Spirit of God has moved through the, the ages in the church, but it was only until uh, you know the late nineteenth, early twentieth century that spiritual giftedness, speaking in tongues, and prophecy, and healing, and all that kind of thing, uh, really kind of started to become more common among places of worship. And we can teach a class on Pentecostalism if you are interested. And I can tell you the history of all that. Because it's fascinating, but it's long, and it's too much for today. So, But the point is that there's concern among the churches. There was in the second century, there is today, that spiritual gifts could be abused in the church. And that's a real concern, and it does happen. Uh, It does happen. But we must resist the temptation as Christians, church. We must resist the temptation to say that for the sake of convenience or for the sake of a uh, reaction to fear or for the sake of wanting to keep things uh, a bit more even keel, that we're going to not engage in spiritual gifts. We have to resist that temptation. And as th- this church is a part of the Pentecostal movement, Uh, which we basically believe that these kind of things happen today, that people still speak in tongues and prophesy and that healing occurs and that sort of thing, miracles and whatnot. We believe that, but it's important to remember that we believing that means we should be expecting that at times we're going to have to have some hard conversations about the legitimacy of the spiritual giftedness of our church. Okay, we're going to have to have hard conversations. We're going to have to ask the question, was that word really biblical or not? We're going to have to ask the question, okay, are you, are you speaking in tongues right now? Or, you know, we know that you've never spoken in tongues before. Is this legit? Uh, we're going to have to actually enter into those hard places. The reason is because, and this has sort of been my mantra coming here, if you want to be pastored in this church, this is what you're going to hear. I refuse to do things in an unhealthy manner. Okay? We are not going to do things in an unhealthy manner. So we're going to exercise the spiritual gifts, but we're going to do it in a healthy way. And that means entering into some difficult times sometimes. That means sort of like, ooh, you know, you may not like me saying this, but I really don't think that that's right. Okay? And it's important for us as a family to realize that we have that sort of, we can have that communication with one another, okay? So, this church believes in the moving of the Spirit. Let's move on. Verse two. You know that when you were, before you were Christians, you were enticed and led astray, and really the word here, the word play is sort of like you were hoodwinked. You were You were deceived is really the idea of it. It's like somebody coming in and leading you, persuading you into a direction that is the wrong direction to go. You've been deceived. You've been led astray to mute idols. The imagery here is of a counterfeit spirituality, something that pretends to be powerful, right? something that pretends to be important. You know, uh, Paul elsewhere in First Corinthians, he's really concerned because he feels like these, these Corinthian believers are listening to these preachers, and he says, "These guys just speak really loudly, and you believe them because they're speaking really loudly. Sometimes when somebody comes, they speak really loudly, they 've got, they got a big thing going on. it looks so powerful, you say, "Mad goodness, wow, they must be anointed by the Holy Spirit. Look what's going on. How could they yell so loud if they weren't, you know) <clears throat> But in reality, it's devoid of power. It's devoid of real power. And that needs to be a concern. Thank goodness that never happens today, right? Thank goodness that... (laughs) I like to get loud sometimes. But as Pentecostals, we need to take a warning from Paul. Right? And we say, well, wait a second, Paul. Wait a second. You're telling us to exercise caution? I thought you just said we were supposed to, you know, let it all out. Let the freak flag fly and, you know... Get, it, get these things going. I thought, you were, I thought you were for the spirit moving in the church. No, that's actually not what he said. He said, I don't want you to be uninformed. Right? Not all information is good information. Right? So when Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed, he's not saying, no holds barred, throw off the gloves, do whatever you want, it's all good. Right? That's not what's going on. We need to be reminded that counterfeit spirituality is a real thing. We need to be on guard against that. Now, I'm not trying to say that uh, counterfeit spirituality is always because of the devil. I think that that's also a a misconception. Uh, Sometimes I think it's just people. People trying, maybe, and and sometimes I think it's sincere people trying to do their best. uh, Trying to exercise the giftedness uh, that that they believe is the right way to do it. Sometimes it could be something demonic. But I found that, honestly, in my experience of encountering counterfeit spirituality, the demonic forces at play is actually very small, um, a small percentage. It's usually just people. Um, And and the reason for that, I think, is because a lot of times when you encounter counterfeit spirituality in the church, there's a natural sort of defense in the church, people who are under the influence of demons don't really enjoy being in the body of believers um, and going through worship and going through prayer and going to... Sometimes they do. I mean, sometimes they do. But usually you experience that a lot outside the church. If you're in a church setting oftentimes and you encounter counterfeit spirituality, it's usually because somebody has uh, been misled or deceived or they genuinely believe that this is the right way to go. Um, But it does happen. So there's a place for spiritual giftedness in the church. Listen to what Paul is saying. There's a place for spiritual giftedness in the church. But we need to be mature about how we approach it. Okay. Verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand. So since, because there are counterfeit spiritualities there, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So Paul begins to give us sort of a real simple test to tell where this sort of spirituality is coming from. How do you tell legitimate spirituality from illegitimate spirituality? Here's one test for you that you can put in your pocket and pull out later. Does this thing, does this manifestation of the Spirit point and exalt Jesus, point to and exalt Jesus, or does it point to and exalt something else? Could be anything else, right? Does it point to an exalt Jesus, or does it point to an exalt anything else? That's a basic, run-of-the-mill test that you can apply. So, uh, Jack Hay or I think it was Jim Hayford actually told a story of how he was preaching once, and uh, and it was during a worship set, and somebody began speaking out a word which was unbiblical, and this person was new to the church, and and they it was very much. Uh, they couldn't quite understand, so Jim gets up on stage, and he says, we need to start worshiping. So he calls, so we got the worship team going, and everybody starts worshiping. But, and the reason is because, here you have somebody who's drawing all the attention, right? All of the attention goes to this person. All they're interested in is for themselves to be exalted. So how do you balance that out? Well, you start worshiping. You start pushing all the attention back on Jesus, Right? So that's legitimate spirituality. Legitimate spirituality will always push the attention onto Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> so if you hear a word, if you, hear, if you see healing, if you see experience uh, speaking in tongues or interpretation of tongues, and you are more interested in the person that's giving it, you feel all of your attention being drawn to that person than to Jesus, be concerned about that. Okay. That goes for me as well, by the way. If you ever see me exalting myself, be concerned about that. Come and talk to me. Don't just leave. Because I, you know, I do make mistakes. <laughs> that is something that happens. And we are a family, so I, I need your feedback. But um, all of us need to be pointing towards Jesus. Okay. And the other part of that, uh, where he says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The other part of that is that you have to know how do you know that Jesus is Lord? Well, you read your scripture. Right? So legitimate spirituality exalts Jesus, points to Jesus, and it aligns with scripture. You're never going to hear a legitimate spirituality that contradicts scripture. Okay? It aligns with scripture. It aligns with what God is already doing. Okay? So be on guard against those things. There's a couple tools for your toolbox. Everybody still with me? Good. Good. I am preaching it. Thank you. Let's look at verses 4 through 7. There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them in everyone. What's the point here? The point is that there is diversity in the body, and there is unity in the body. Both are essential. It doesn't do any good to have only one gift present. Okay? It also doesn't do any good to have a variety of gifts present, but absolutely no unity. Both are essential. There are a variety of gifts. There's a variety of services. There's a variety of ways for you to contribute to our church body. There's a variety of things that we need done, uh, there's a variety of way that God moves. You know, God may be working in this person in healing, maybe working in this person in emotional health, maybe working in this person in spiritual health. And we need people, competent people who have been anointed by God to say, "You know what? God has used me in the gift of healing. I want to pray for the healing person. God has used me in the gift of emotional counseling. I want to counsel this person. I want to do this or do that." So we need you. We need the variety there, the full variety of the gifts of the Holy Spirit present among us. But we also need unity. Right? Because if this person takes this person for healing and goes off in that direction, and this person takes him for emotional counseling off in that direction, well, thanks a lot, you just destroyed our church. <laughs> Maybe the Spirit's working among you individually, but now we have no body. Right? That's not helpful. So we need unity and diversity together. We need the gifts of the Spirit, the full variety, and we also need to be in one accord. In one accord. Okay. Let's move on now. Verses 8 through 10. Now this is the part where everybody's like, wow, this is the, this is the good stuff. I think, it, the thing is, we jump, man, I love Pentecostals. I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a Pentecostal theologian, which means I'm a Pentecostal and I know what Pentecostalism is. But there's some things about Pentecostalism I do not like. And one of them is we jump so quickly to the gifts of the Spirit and we start exercising those things without the necessary groundwork to be able to do it in a healthy manner. And so you see Pentecostals, and it's like, wow, that ministry's doing great. That ministry's awesome. Look at what's going on there. And 10 years later, it's destroyed because people are not doing it in a healthy way. They're overworking themselves, or they're getting tempted by the world, or they're not listening to good counsel. Or, so they can't do it right. I, well, I love Pentecostals, but sometimes we jump to the gifts before we get to the, the real groundwork of it. <coughs> so now we're going to get to the gifts. All right. Yeah, after I just talked it down a bunch. Verse, uh, verse 9, or verse, uh, where are we at? Verse 8. To one is given this, uh, through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. So you've got a bunch here. We've got wisdom, we've got knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. That's nine, right? Now, how many of you guys know this, this is not the only list of spiritual gifts in the New Testament? Did you know that? In fact, there's a few others. <coughs> Man, that pollen. Hmm. I receive your healing, Jesus. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's another list in Romans 12. There's another list in Ephesians 4, possibly 1 Peter 4. And also at the end of this chapter. And the reason for that is not because Paul is absent-minded. right? Because if you go to each of those lists, there's some different ones that he includes and some that he omits. right? He's not (coughs) absent-minded. The reason is because this list here in 1 Corinthians is never meant to be exhaustive that make sense? So Paul's not saying, these are the spiritual gifts and this is it. These are the only spiritual gifts. In fact, there's a variety of spiritual gifts. And some things I would say Paul doesn't even mention. You know, <clears throat> Like, for example, did they have computers in the first century? No. Is it possible that God has anointed somebody with a spiritual gift of computer analytics, that they're able to do things on a computer, which by themselves they would not be able to do? That's you. Come and talk to me. Because <laughs> I could use your help. So, these lists of gifts are not exhaustive. <clears throat> they're there, but they're not exhaustive. <clears throat> so, I want to read through uh, some of these. <clears throat> you and me, man. <clears throat> we need the gift of anti allergens. Mm hmm. So uh, I want to read through these things and just kind of introduce what these specific gifts are. But know that this is not the end-all, be-all list of gifts. Wisdom. So it's a gift of divine impartation of wisdom, of direction, of giving us the, the direction that we need to go forward. Spiritual advice, I think, could fall underneath this one. There are some people that are really gifted with wisdom. When you speak to them, you just say, man, I want to know what you think about this because I know God speaks to you. And I need to hear what God is saying about this situation. Knowledge. So this is uh, a gift oftentimes you kind of categorize as people knowing things that they shouldn't know. So you'll be up praying with somebody and they say, you know what? This is going on in your life right now, isn't it? You're struggling with this right now, aren't you? Or this is is something that you've been asking God about, isn't it? And it's knowledge that they shouldn't have, that you had never told them, but that they do have. Okay, so it's a gift of knowledge, all right? A gift of faith. So this is where people have a faith to believe that something is going to occur before anybody else does. People look at this mountain and they say, oh man, gosh, I don't know about this mountain. And a person with faith says, the mountain's going to move. The mountain's going to move. And it moves. So a divine impartation of faith. Healing. I mean, this is self-explanatory. We lay hands on the sick and we see them be healed. Raise your hand if you ever laid hands on the sick and see them be healed. Raise your hand. Okay, so look around you. Are those people liars? Okay, well then God still heals today. There you go. Let's move on. Miracles. Something supernatural happening that shouldn't happen, that did, but that does happen. God exercises those things. Prophecy. Uh, this is a gift that's given to guide the church. Uh, you know, if you look at the prophets of the Old Testament, basically what you see is... Uh, not so much people predicting the future. What you see is people being given the instruction that the people need. Right? Isaiah, go tell the people this. They really need to hear this. Okay? Tell them to stop doing this and to start doing this or else I'm going to do this. Okay, so prophecy is about direction. Directing the church, directing the body. Okay? Discernment. Discernment is when we peel back the veil of reality to discern what's going on behind the scenes. So somebody comes in and they begin talking a certain way, (coughs) and you say, I know what's going on here. That person has a spirit of something. That person is manifesting in some way. So it's the ability to kind of pull back the veil of reality and see what's going on behind the scenes. Tongues. Uh, We we recognize in, in our kind of movement And I I think it's right theologically that we recognize two different kinds of tongues. The first kind of tongues is sort of like a prayer language. So this is the kind of tongues that you speak by yourself uh, to God in your own uh, prayer time, maybe in a small group or something like that. But it's not really meant to be uh, put on display before other people. It edifies you, it edifies your spirit, it builds you up before God. And the second kind of tongues is a more public kind of tongues. And that's where we kind of get into this interpretation of tongues. Where somebody would actually say, I received a tongue from the Lord. And I want to give that tongue. And then there's an interpretation of the tongue. All right. I want to point out two things with these gifts. <clears throat> with these gifts that we have nine, these nine that we have here. The first one is notice how many of them have to do with vocalization. Right? Prophecy. Tongues. Right? Speaking out things. Words of knowledge. Words of faith. Why would it be so? <coughs> vocalized. Why is the emphasis on vocalization? Because spiritual gifts are meant to serve other people. It's not, it's not all about you. It's not about me, right? It's not all about you. So it's all about sharing these things. I have a word for you, Jerry. I have a word for you, Joanna. You have a word for me. We build each other up with the spiritual gifts. That's what we're going to be talking about more next week. But for this week, recognize that there are spiritual giftedness. Spiritual giftedness is a good thing. It helps the body. It helps the church. It's not a freaky, crazy thing. It's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. But we need to do it in a healthy way. And also next week, I'll be talking more about that in terms of, well, what do you do if, you know, what does John do if John believes he's received a prophecy from God? How does he go about doing that in a healthy way? How does he bring that before us? It'll be next week. Okay, we'll talk about that, and I'll kind of introduce some uh, things that we are going to do here as a church to allow space for that um, and to see those gifts being, being used healthily. Okay? Well, for today, let's finish with verse 11. All of these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one just as the Spirit chooses. Two things I want to point out in this last verse. The first one is, who allots to each one. Now, a lot of your Bibles say to, allots to each one individually. In fact, that's what this Bible says. How many of you guys have the word individually in the last sentence there? Raise your hand. One, two, most Bibles. The only version in English that doesn't have it is the NIV. So if you're not looking at the NIV, you have the word individually there. Um, and I really don't like that word. And in fact... Give thanks to God because your pastor knows Greek. Come on. And if you read if you read in the Greek, I, I have a very strong argument that that word does not appear uh, in the original uh, writing of this letter. In fact, the earliest, the earliest version of this letter that we have is, is a fragment called P46. It means parchment number 46. And, and it's like second century... Greek. It's very, very old. It's one of the oldest portions of Scripture that we have from the New Testament, and it does not include that word. Okay. So that tells me this word was added at a later time to be explanatory, right? to help people understand. But I believe there's a real reason why this word is missing in the original. The reason is because the gifts were never meant to be given individually. It's not about you. It's about what God is doing through you all together, one another, how you're building each other up, right? It's not, it's not like, a, oh, we're going to equip this one person. They're going to be the hero. We're going to put a bunch of gifts in this one person. They're going to go out and lead the charge, and they're going to make everything right. That's not how spirituality works in the church. That's not how our church is going to operate, okay? We need all of you. I don't have the gifting you have. Okay, You have gifts I don't have. But I have gifts that you don't have, I hope. Otherwise, I don't have a point to be here. But no, we all have a gifting from God. right? And we need each other. So the Spirit has allotted to each of you something to contribute. And the last thing is, Uh, where he says, allots to each one just as the Spirit chooses. It's the Spirit who decides who gets what gifts. Okay. Uh, Now, we seek gifts. We can certainly pray for gifts. God, would you give me this gift, or would you help me in this way, and whatnot. But it's the Spirit of God who gives the gifts to us. Okay. So we wait on him. So I want to go ahead and... uh, Could I get somebody to run downstairs and get the kids up? We're going to do some Mother's Day stuff. But I want to pray... Thanks, Tracy. Tracy's doing it. Thank you, Kathy. Tracy's doing it. Um, I want to pray for a bit. And, uh, you know, we saw earlier, just this today, some spiritual gifts being manifested up here as people were being prayed over. And you, maybe you heard some tongues, or maybe you uh, heard some prophetic words, or you saw people praying over people for healing. Um, it's something that's good for the church, something that's healthy. We're going to do it in a healthy way. All right. So uh, if you came here and you were like, I didn't know this church did that sort of thing, and you're a little concerned at this point, please come and talk to me. Okay? It's, not, uh, it's not something to be you know, ashamed of or afraid of. It's something that's good that the Spirit of God does among us. I, I, was growing, I was raised Presbyterian, and in our church, you know, I don't think that this passage was even in our Bibles. I think they, <laughs> they skipped it. When I was at Sunday school, they, they talked once about tongues, and they said that it was the ability to learn languages really quickly. Like, somebody who's really proficient in languages. Like, you know, if you had to have seven years of Spanish to be proficient, you would only need, like, three to be proficient in it. Um, it was just their interpretation of it. If you thought that that's how we viewed this, I apologize, because I might have just pulled the rug out from underneath you today. So please come and talk to me uh, if you have more concerns or thoughts. Or talk to the many people around you who are wise and mature in their faith. Are they coming? They- they're coming. Awesome. Uh, so that's that. Let's pray really quick to end that, and then we're going we're gonna to say thank you to our mothers. Okay, Lord, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for equipping the church, God. We thank you for the work that you do among us. You have not left us as an orphan, but you have sent your spirit to us to empower us, to love one another, to do the work that we cannot do on our own, to work supernaturally among us. And we invite you, Spirit, to come among our midst, work among us, Lord, and teach us how to do these giftings in a healthy way that glorifies you, Lord, and that uh, brings honor to you and to your name. So thank you, Jesus, in your name, amen. Amen.